the road to recovery. You might be cruising down it. A friend or family member lost on it. Or the road is, well, still under construction. Relevant Recovery Radio is about getting to that destination of normal health, mind, or strength. Now, Relevant Recovery Radio, here to give you the keys, Larry Weedy Kind. Welcome to Relevant Recovery Radio. Thanks for joining us again this morning. Uh, Today, I have a very special guest. You might remember that last week, we were interviewing George Joseph, who is uh, jokingly uh, referred sometimes to as the king of recovery in Houston, uh, because he has started many inpatient residential treatment centers and intensive outpatient uh, uh, centers as well. And uh, he, he's known as someone you, you can count on. Uh, for uh, assistance in, in getting your loved ones into recovery. And he's built some really nice centers. So we had a nice time last week uh, t- talking about his recovery process and who he is and why he has done what he's, what he's done so well. But uh, George recommended that we bring Dr. Jason Powers on the show today. And I'm so pleased that that Jason is with us. So Dr. Powers, say hi to everyone. Hi to everyone. (laughs) (laughs) Dr. Powers is actually the author, the creator of the positive recovery approach. I like to call it a method. He likes to call it an approach. And maybe the approach is a better word because it really is a bit different than other recovery approaches, and they've had a lot of success. So Matthew's Hope Foundation and our Detox and Recovery Program at St. Joseph Medical Center, we have partnered or we're collaborating with Positive Recovery so that when, when patients come into our program for detox and initial recovery, we will then refer them into Positive Recovery's 30-day residential treatment center. And our, our support team, our recovery support team, uh, that we've talked about so often here on the show, then follows that our client, your loved one, as they go into a 30-day treatment program, a longer recovery program, we make sure that they are continuing to get the, the Matthew Soap care model, but with all of the excellent services provided by Positive Recovery. So uh, Dr. Jason Powers is um, really unique, a, a unique individual uh, in the recovery space because he has developed a method that uh, I'd like him to tell you about. This is a real powerful, positive approach to recovery for your loved ones. So, so Dr. Powers, that's with all that ado. <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah. Tell us, tell us about your own recovery. Why don't we start with your own recovery path Sure. and how that led you into what you're doing? Well, um, yeah. So, yeah. Thanks for having me. George is is amazing. He he is the the king of recovery. Also, I love King George. Uh, he is definitely somebody whose heart is in the right place and makes it very easy to follow. Um, yeah, he, he's he's a good King. George. He really is. He's good. <laughs> yes. Yeah, not not the mad King George. Not but. the mad King George. Right. Yeah. So, okay. Um, yeah. So I'm in recovery, and actually today I'm celebrating my 18th birthday. So. Happy right. birthday to Dr. Powers. Yeah, <laughs> Happy birthday to you. That's really cool today. Yeah, yeah. it's amazing. I got <laughs> yes. sober at 33, but I haven't felt that old. Chronologically, like, you know, in recovery, we have a belly button birthday, so I'm actually 51. You don't have to do the math. And I'm 18, though, uh, 
on this journey of emotional development and spiritual well-being and, you know, uh, as much physical well-being as possible in a 51-year-old shell. But um, my, I guess my, my story begins summer after eighth grade. My, my brother, who I looked up to, was my hero, um, gave my friend and I some, some marijuana. We you know, yeah. tried it. Of course, the first time nothing happened. I thought, no big deal. But then the next time I did it, it was sort of like just being altered was great because I didn't feel comfortable in my own skin, right? Like I had ADD really, really bad. And when uh, I was yeah. a kid, there was no ADD. There was a uh, belt and shame. And my nickname was Mr. Impatient. And just as an aside, if you have ADD as a kid and you're actually put on the right meds, there's not an increased chance of addiction. But I, and I'm totally not blaming it on that because uh, I don't discriminate. Like I was asked what my drug of choice is. My drug of choice is more. I don't, <laughs> I just seem to have a brain that doesn't get satiated, right? Like if I'm eating cake, I want more cake. There's no, there's no <laughs> exactly. satiety. And, um, but it just so happens that I, I didn't feel comfortable. There was, you know, family of origin, trauma, like really bad stuff, mm. not worth getting into on this program or really any program yet. <laughs> but, um, there, there were many reasons. And, you know, people, people are running from something or towards something. And it's generally good to find out before you die what you're running from and to and why. Mm. But I was too young at the time. Drugs and alcohol started to fill this this need to feel normal. Like when I was when I was inebriated on alcohol or, you know, doing other drugs, I felt like I thought you felt on the inside. I, f- mm-hmm. I always felt my whole life like I was on an uneven playing field. Mm-hmm. Like everybody else had a guidebook and I was left out. And so everything seemed to be a chore. I was, you know, always sort of depressed or angry, didn't like myself very much. But being intoxicated was a, a relief. So, of course, that was self-perpetuating. And I started doing it more and more. I was at St. John's making honors. And so I thought I was, you know, impervious to all the things that you hear about, like don't do drugs or bad for you, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, it just didn't seem to take much of a toll. How, and then it started to catch up to me. Like my freshman year of college, I got like a 2.0. I was nocturnal. I reported my car stolen three times. I mean, it was just not good. And it took me the rest of college to kind of make up that GPA to get into med school. I, I always wanted to be in, uh, a doctor, but kind of the path I was on was not leading me there. Right, right. Yeah. So, And you knew that you were going downhill and you knew what the cause was probably, but you were not able to do anything about it. Well, no, I was. Like. I was able to stop for long periods of time, just oh, oh, enough. Oh, very, oh, to kind of keep rock going. the MCAT and get in. Uh, okay, okay, cool. <laughs> so you're, <laughs> and hence you are an MD today, right? And have but it for, gets better. Okay. <laughs> I want to hear it. Very, very, very interesting. You know, um, I I didn't feel comfortable in my own skin for quite a while in junior high and high school. And uh, but I didn't suffer from addiction, uh, but yet, had I been around the wrong people, it, I'm sure it could have happened, right? And so you know, I feel very lucky, very very blessed that I didn't go down that path. But I had two sons that did, and boy, that hit home real hard. Yeah, we'll get more into that here in our next segment. Y'all don't go away, Dr. Jason Powers. Stay with us. We'll be right back. All right.
Welcome back to the Matthews Hope Foundation uh, uh, Relevant Recovery Radio Show. Uh, forgot my name there for a minute. <laughs> Thank you for Larry. staying with us. <laughs> it's his story. It's so captivating. That's right. It doesn't I want to hear the rest right. of it, Larry. That's right. and, and that's Jennifer O'Neill talking to us. <laughs> and uh, uh, Jennifer O'Neill, as you know, has been in recovery for 22 years. Yes. So she's got Dr. Powers beat by four years. Well, yeah. <laughs> but welcome to adulthood. You're 18, so welcome vote. to adulthood now. <laughs> ah, so I just learned something. Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> in recovery world, 18 years is adulthood. Oh, okay, that's interesting. We tease. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Dr. Powers, you were just getting into. Uh, you actually, I, th- I think you said the word MCAT. Yeah. Uh, trying to become a physician mm-hmm. and struggling with your addiction while you're in college and while you're trying to get down that road. So, so you and you did that because. Basically, at the age of when, when? When did your brother introduce you to? I was fourteen. 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 <laughs> so, parents out there, if you don't know this already, your son or daughter, if they're thirteen <laughs> or older or even younger, could already have been introduced to pot or liquor right. or something else. Right. I mean, drugs are pervasive. They're easy to get on the street. They're cheap. So, don't be as naive as I was as a parent many many years ago. When I thought there's no way my son making straight A's in high school could ever want to smoke a joint even. Right. And so that, that so don't be misinformed or confused or naive about this. Mm-hmm. As a parent, you need to understand that drugs are pervasive, they're cheap, they're easy to get, mm-hmm. and most high schoolers do not feel comfortable in their own skin, mm-hmm. right? So what Dr. Powers just described in the in our first segment is is so true. So so, Dr. Powers, yeah, so what happened next? So, I, I got in med school, and... Uh, and that's it, amazing. Yeah, it, it, it was, after my well, that's GPA. That's hard enough, sober. Right. So, I actually, I didn't, I didn't, I wouldn't say I struggled so much um, in, in med school, because I wanted to remember everything, and I sort mm-hmm. of was able to put a lid on this thing that was driving me, and when you're in med school, like, you don't have time to do anything else. Mm-hmm. I studied all the time, and... Yeah. You know, having ADD was tough because I'd read something and forget it. Mm-hmm. It was very stressful. Like I totally lost my hair in med school. I would I would have to put sunscreen no on top of my head. Yeah, this is. And, I mean, it's not folks, like it's Dr. back. Dr. Powers has plenty of hair. Yeah, it's <laughs> back. It's not a rug. It's not. It, it could be thicker, but um, oh, well, no. That's, so, that's that's my plight as well. <laughs> but like, I wasn't. Where has my hair gone? Exactly. Well, it's like my hair's coming out my ears. Like gravity's bringing yeah, it down. It, yeah. Right. It, 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 as you, you get got older, plenty in your ears, but not on your head. My nose. My ears yeah right. yeah oh yeah you know i asked yeah. my wife like why would the body um spend energy putting hair on the ears that you it has like other things to do and she said well when you're old you have to not be so uh, good looking so that no woman wants to have your baby because you're not going to be around i was like that's brilliant you know it is it's brilliant <laughs> that she's exactly she right. is i think so she's uh-huh. right, evolutionary that, sorry, biologist that, that went right over my head <laughs> <laughs> it well, means back, you're back not to attractive you. anymore that's what that means that at a certain means? age oh, so they go on down the road reminder Thank you, Jennifer. Yeah. Oh, my God. I, yeah, I will never I invite you, you on this that. show again. <laughs> For the record, that was Jennifer O'Neill. I think you're very handsome. <laughs> okay. Oh, there you did go. you hear that? <laughs> All right. All right, Dr. So, Powers. MCAT, let's I'm get back. I'm a believer. I'm a believer. <laughs> All right. Yeah, so, okay, uh, in med school, I could keep a lid on it, and then in residence, you know, I still would party with my friends, but after test blocks. Mm -hmm. So we'd study really hard. And then the weekend after 
our test blocks, we would all become one with the carpet and then we'd start over. And uh, like just being on everything but roller skates, just a few of us, not, a, you know, and then in residency, uh, it started to be a little bit easier and I would start drinking a lot more. And I actually like somebody put an AA pamphlet in my mailbox in residency. Wow. But I was thinking, well, here I am going out with these nurses and I'm so cool, which I'm not. I'm a nerd. But I, that's not what I thought. I'm like, I'm not alcoholic. They're jealous. Uh, you know, meanwhile, yeah. Yeah. They, they were right. Yeah. Yeah. And after residency, I took my boards. I was fully licensed. No eyes on me. There was no you know, medical director. There was nothing else to get into. And like in a year, I hit bottom so bad and dragged along there. For so, a so when you had years. time and no accountability, exactly, I know, just it just was the addiction took hold. It took right. hold. It, it took over. Yeah. Um, you know, I was newly married. I, I had a little girl. I didn't really know because I was n- never sober. And then at uh, she was about nine months old. There was an intervention. Mm. Um, and wow. yeah, I went wow. in just to keep them quiet. Like I tried quitting a million times yeah. and I couldn't, the pain was just so bad. Mm. Um, you, you wondered why all those cars were parked in front of your house. You thought it was a <laughs> act, surprise party. Well, <laughs> it was a surprise. I was actually, I separated from my wife because oh, she was surprised. right. I know <laughs> like I was a problem, but I thought she was, and I was staying at a, you know, like a, a friend's house or sort of a mentor of mine mm-hmm. who, who was a physician and he organized a an intervention and oh. that was it. And oh. I went in, but I went yeah. in just to keep the heat off me. Like sure. I, I tried quitting a million that, times. That's kind of normal, isn't it? For, yeah, yeah, I had yeah. no, just no intention yeah. of quitting because I thought I couldn't. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But luckily there was a guy in rehab. <laughs> he was a doctor older than me. <laughs> And he was like on his fifth rehab, his fourth wife, oh trouble goodness. with oh, medical wow. boards. Oh. And I thought that's gonna be me if I'm lucky. Mm. And so I immediately just sort of Yeah, if you're lucky and you the, don't lose your license entirely. Well right, no, right. like I would be or dead. Just, like I'd be uh, lucky yeah. to uh, I'd be lucky to right. be in that much trouble. Right. And right. be on that twelfth And still be alive. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And so something happened, you know, I think mm. it just I was like, Okay, I've been hiding from admitting I was an addict. Because I knew what that meant, at least in my experience and in the medical profession. It meant I was a degenerate. I was, I had character flaws, and there's no coming back if, from that. If you if you think that instead of a disease that it's your fault, why why put in the work to do anything about it? Right. But when right. I learned it was a disease, you, I'm like, okay, this is yeah. external to me. I can yes. do something about yes. it. Yes. Yes. Uh-huh. And that and 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 folks so out there important. listening, this is. An accomplished MD, an accomplished <laughs> physician, right, uh, who has actually started uh, an incredible uh, approach and methodology uh, for recovery, long-term recovery, and he's telling you, right, that there was a moment in time that all of a sudden it all clicked, correct? Mm-hmm. And you knew. Now, you know, I know that there was a lot leading up to that, to that, but when you when you finally knew, I've got to change, and I actually can do this. This is a disease. I can deal with it as a disease. I'm not just a degenerate. I'm not a loser. You know, this is just the pathway I took and now I need to I need to get on a new path. Right. Yeah. And so, you know, this this is true for so many people. But so so what happened though is you had another physician that you were staying with, a friend, that actually organized an intervention. Right. You know, so folks the intervention is key. I actually, I actually was involved in an intervention last night uh, with a friend of a friend uh, who has an 18-year-old, and um, 
you know, it was it was interesting. I mean, what I what I had to do is get the parents to recognize that their daughter needed a formal professional intervention. And I'm not the formal professional interventionist, but I was basically the stimulant last night, long phone conversation with several people on the phone to try to get them to understand this is what they need. So as CEO of Matthew's Hope, now I can arrange for the professional interventionist to come in and do that. And that's what happened to Dr. Powers, which put him on a new pathway. Uh, We've got a commercial break coming up, folks. We're going to be right back, and he's going to tell you what happened in his life and then how he formed positive recovery. Then we're going to talk about what positive recovery is all about so that you really have more information about what's available for your loved ones. So please don't go away. We'll be right back. Oh, and by the way, I am told that I tried to, that that I have another minute (laughs) before the commercial. (laughs) Well, what I found that was so interesting is you said I learned that it was an external thing because that kind of makes someone free, right? Mm -hmm. They're free of it because the shame is eradicated at that moment. Like, wait a minute, this is external. Wait a minute. There is something that can be done, right? Exactly. Rather than it's this internalized shame and and sorrow, right? That there there now can be a strategic plan and and well, it's just like to a, just like a diabetic when you discover right. all of a sudden <laughs> that you know you're not you're not producing enough insulin or you're not uptaking insulin properly. Right. Well, then there are drugs that you can take and changes in lifestyle right. and things like that. Right. Mental health and behavioral health is the same right. thing. Yeah. yeah, we'll be right fo- right back, folks. Don't go away. Bye-bye. Welcome back to Relevant Recovery Radio. Uh, this is Larry Wittekind, your Matthews Hope Foundation host. Today we have a special guest with us, Dr. Jason Powers, and also uh, Jennifer O'Neill's with us. And uh, we're just getting into the need for formal intervention when you've got a family member that is is down deep down that rabbit hole and has got to get into detox and recovery. And um, Jennifer, you were you well, were wanting I was just to uh, talk wanting about to address that, when the right time is to, to for an intervention. And and by the way, before we start down this pathway, it's so, it's so important, uh, folks. If you need, if you have a loved one who needs intervention, who's who's deep down that rabbit hole in addiction, you may call Matthews Hope. Uh, you or you can call Positive Recovery. To call Positive Recovery, simply dial the number four, sobriety. So the number four, S O B R I T Y, for sobriety. Okay, and uh, and they will put you in touch with an interventionist, uh, or if you prefer, you can call Matthews Hope, and that is eight four four two six three four six seven three. Eight four four. Two six three four six seven three. So, so Jen, yeah. So, when should parents really start thinking about calling and for an interventionist? Well, um, generally, uh, pain is the touchstone, and you you can identify um, any loss of interest that they might have with what they used to um, be so focused on. So, uh, like uh, like if your if your son or daughter is on the tennis team, and, and all, all of a sudden, sudden they get benched, right? And right. the coach they, doesn't know they why they they yeah. stop going entirely. Right. That's a good sign. Right. Or they, and it? they change their friends. Ah, uh, right. right. They, the friends suddenly had, change. Right. right. Exactly. Or they 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 themselves isolate. So. Or or they just seem different. Their grades Their behavior is different yeah. too. All the, as well. all the things that um, were at one time in, 
mm. an interest to them are. Mm. Yeah, uh, no Dr. Longer. Paris, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, so I'm actually an interventionist. Yourself? I am, you yeah. I've, oh, okay. okay. Great. It, it, no, and it, I, I got trained in the Johnson method and in Arise model method. Oh, and I'm very familiar Arise. with yes. Arise. Right. I like that. Yeah, yeah, yes. I love that. Yes. Um, so fantastic. You yeah. can explain more to the listeners than, than yeah, I can, probably. The joke is, like, nobody goes into treatment on a winning streak, and <laughs> nobody calls an interventionist prematurely. Because, oh, interesting. you know, oh. parents, we don't really have a guidebook on how to raise kids, first of all. Like, no, it, we it, don't. We really, you, know, you need a license to drive, but you can have a kid. And then, <laughs> like, we're so complex, and it's very difficult, and you love them unconditionally. And, and of course, as a parent, like, not my Johnny is, is sort of, yeah. Uh, right, yeah. Oh, you know, yeah. it's a metaphor yeah. for— There's no way. Th- it's, yeah. it's really yeah. you, you, as impossible. Parent, you're, you're in denial constantly, <laughs> and you're being manipulated. I mean, you're being. I mean, I remember Matthew saying we were on a road trip together, and he says, "So, Dad, man, I man, I got to pee really bad, right? Oh, well, oh, okay, and I'm really hungry. I mean, and there's oh, there's a Whataburger, his favorite place. All right, we'll stop at Whataburger. So, but I'm not really hungry. I had a big breakfast. He didn't eat much. I don't know why, because I'm in denial. And he goes in there and he comes out, and he shot up heroin mm-hmm. in there. I gave him twenty bucks. He came back with change. Shot up heroin, met somebody there, obviously, mm-hmm. and also came back with a hamburger. Mm-hmm. And he never ate it because he passed out in the passenger seat. Mm-hmm. And I had to stop the car because he died. And I had to pull him out of the car and slap the you-know-what out of him to get him to wake up. And I was just so happy when he came to, but he was going blue. And here I had facilitated it by just simply stopping and letting him go to the bathroom and giving him a $20 bill. I mean, this is not my Matthew, right. but it was my Matthew. <laughs> yes. Right? And, and so, you know, I, I can tell you many, 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 many parents have had the same experience I have, right? Mm-hmm. And, and those of you who haven't, you've either lost your child or your child is continuing to manipulate you. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so. And it's so difficult because what's, you know, the message isn't if your child is thirsty and hungry and has to pee, like, you, you don't not stop at at a Whataburger, you definitely stop at a Whataburger. Mm, right. But you watch them. Well, right? like, what do you do? Go in the bathroom with them? Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's a very, well, let me tell you very future, easy thing to not see, though. Yes. Right. Like, I don't know that you facilitated yes. it. Right. And the problem. Well, thank, thank you for that. Thank you for that. But, but, the, but I knew that he was in recovery. Mm-hmm. I knew that he was struggling with it. Mm-hmm. And I should have gone in there with him. I should have just actually done that. And he would have hated me for it, but I would have prevented almost death. I mean, he, had I not been there, he would have died. Larry, what I want you to realize is that God has no grandchildren. We all have a course. And that what needed to be the experience that he had and the experience that you had, you needed, right? Yeah, it was part of my experience. Yeah, you know, uh, addiction is a family disease. <laughs> and parents, you know, I, I said this to the, to the mother last night uh, on the phone, and she got it. I said, you know, you need to be an Al-Anon. You need recovery <laughs> as, as, as a wife and a mother. And she then admitted to me that her relationship with her, with her husband has gone south <laughs> because of her daughter's addiction <laughs> and her problem. And then she, she understood. <laughs> Larry, you're right. It's a family disease, and mm-hmm. I need help. It is. I said, it yeah. Is. yeah it's, and it's nobody a knows disease. that probably like Dr. Powers. Yeah, it's textbook. Oh. Like when somebody in the family 
especially a child, has addiction, the parents, their relationship, like textbook, generally deteriorates. The health of both mm-hmm. individual parents deteriorates because we all yeah. we all have what somebody in the family has. Mm-hmm. Is, that different versions of yes. different versions right. of it? Right. Yeah, and and as a parent, you want to believe that you know what's best for your child, mm-hmm. but the problem is their disease is affecting you. Mm-hmm. It is affecting you mm-hmm. because they are manipulating you right. constantly, right. because that's all they can think about is right. getting their drug, right? And you know, you want to believe that they really are wanting recovery and not the drug right. as a parent. I mean, So try this on. Yeah. It's not them that's manipulating you, it's the disease mm-hmm. because it's controlling uh, them. It is controlling yes. them. Right, exactly. so the disease is really exactly. using your love against you. Yes. Mm. Mm. But I don't think your son was manipulating you. It's like- It was his disease, the drink, right. Yeah, first the man takes a drink, then the drink takes a drink, then the drink takes the man. And it's at that point, mm. our volition is lost, our willpower is lost, mm-hmm. yeah. and it, we're wearing a, the same suit, but the decisions are being made for us. Mm-hmm. Right. right, right. And that's a, yeah, right. I love that statement. Decisions are being made for us because yeah. what yeah. happens is so many people make this mistake that it's a moralization and that it's a choice. And mm. that is not true. No. At one point, the power of choice is lost. Right. That's and that's exactly what you just said. Right. I, my gosh. Putting me in tears here, guys. Yeah, me too. <laughs> yep. So, so. Tell us, tell us about your experience then after rehab. Where did you go from there, and how did you get into positive recovery? Okay, perfect. So I, um, I got sober in the twelve steps. Um, you know, I always say so. I don't, you're a believer in twelve steps. I was about to say, great. <laughs> sorry, I, sorry. I, no, no, no. It's great because uh, in my believer, I, I always say I don't like the twelve steps. <laughs> I love the twelve steps. Ah, I love and it. I say I that it. because having created an approach to treating addiction. I just want to be clear that it is absolutely no threat, um, <laughs> but it also aims to fill the gaps in a treatment center <laughs> dominated by the 12-step model approach, which has terrible, terrible outcomes. <laughs> so those two things have to be sort of reconciled. And the reason I went to Penn, got a master's in positive psychology is because that new science of well-being or the science of happiness looks like they study empirically what we've been doing informally in the rooms for, for a almost a hundred years. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I actually, you know, was having existential crises on a daily basis, going to work, wanting to make a difference. Like I think we all want to make a difference, no matter what one does. And so when I really, when it sunk in that. Okay, relapse rates are high during and soon after treatment. And here I am working harder in a broken model that I have to do something about. And so I developed this thing called positive recovery based not only on positive psychology, Mm -hmm. but also on models at work like 12-step facilitation, trauma. Yes. You know, know, everyone who goes through 12-step program, I mean, not didactically in a 30-day RTC, but a resident tr- treatment center, but but personally with a sponsor. You know, when you're actually going through the steps personally, following a 30-day residential treatment center or IOP, and you're really getting into it, you realize that it actually has the power mm-hmm. to help you reunite with your creator 
and become the person that you're supposed to be. Mm-hmm. However, getting someone to that point seems sometimes impossible. Mm-hmm. They will relapse several times normally. So, so you know, how do you do that? And so I hear I hear Jason Powers saying he was struggling with that. You were you were struggling with that fact that that AA is powerful. But not successful. Not for everyone. Not for everyone. Right. And it's not for everyone. It wasn't for my my adopted son, as an example, who's been sober many, many years. Uh, We're going to be right back. We're going to take a commercial break. And uh, please don't go away. at Recovery Radio. I'm with Dr. Jason Powers today, and we're talking about the road to recovery. And uh, we're just getting into the 12-step method, uh, uh, what a lot of people call the big book. And uh, uh, at Matthew's Hope, you, you probably know that we endorse that that uh, approach to uh, long-term sobriety. Uh, but we're also talking about the fact that um, getting people into really into the 12-step method is sometimes very difficult, and it's not for everyone. So we'd like to talk about that, and I think the best way to do that is let's kind of get into the weeds about positive recovery. So, so Dr. Powers, tell us in detail. Uh, we, we know how you kind of got there, right? But tell us more about what it is. Okay, sure. Yeah. And and let me let me backtrack just a little bit sure, because sure. I had mentioned that I wanted to improve outcomes, but also George Joseph, who we spoke about earlier, um, had everybody in our old rehab um, uh, read a book called Delivering Happiness mm-hmm. by Tony Shea, founder of Zappos. And he talks about culture and how important it is and how it's more important than money. And, you know, ultimately more engaged the employees are, the more financially successful you are. But he, he kind of talked about um, crediting positive psychology and the giants in that field as, you know, sort of um, influencing his move to make culture primary. Uh, and I had never heard of positive psychology. So I went and got a master's in it because, again, um, here's my theory. And, and it, this is sort of kind of reinforced by what I did is that is, you know, relapse rates are high. People are going to like pursue happiness. It's the only thing people pursue in and of itself. People pursue other things because ultimately it makes them happy. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, why yeah. do you do this? Right. Well, so I can, you know, take care of my Be kids. Happy. Why do you want to do that? <laughs> so I feel good. So I'm happy basically. So, yeah. um, I went and got the masters and I realized that, you know, people relapse because they're just pursuing happiness the wrong way. Mm -hmm. People develop addiction because they're pursuing happiness the wrong way. Um, What Marty Seligman, Dr. Martin Seligman, who's the founder of positive psychology and one of like the top three most influential psychologists of all times, um, what what he found in, in that in studying human happiness is that people, human beings that are not under duress, you know, you're not incarcerated or you're not sort of having to work all day for a grain of rice, like where people pursue human happiness is in five areas, P-E-R-M-A, the acronym PERMA stands for positivity. Positivity is the online feeling of happiness. When pe- most people refer to being happy, they refer to just like, okay, am I having a lot of P or positivity? Do I feel tranquil? Do I feel content, happy? Am I in awe? Am I excited? That's where P is, but it's only one of the five buckets where you find human happiness. The next one, E, engagement, 
is actually proxy for flow. Mm. But perma sounds better than pff, irma. But flow is when you engage your character strengths in the right amount to enter the state of flow. Flow mm. is that that awesome space where you lose sense of yourself mm. and space and time. It's like being in the groove if you're a musician mm -hmm. or right being in the zone if you're There's a, a book a, on it. An flow. athlete, right, mm -hmm. flow. There's a book on it. So Mihal <laughs> Csikszentmihalyi is the author and that's optimal human action. Um, R is relationships. And um, by far the greatest predictor of happiness in the literature is the depth and breadth of one's relationships. Wow. Objects mm -hmm. don't matter, people do. Mm -hmm. And we know that having supportive relationships helps you recover from anything, whether it's heart surgery or recovery, but we don't really teach people how to be better friends. Uh -huh. I love it. We do in positive recovery. So we have this it. huge thing on R, I love it. It's one of my favorite things to teach. And then M is meaning, meaning and purpose. Mm -hmm. How do you know if you have purpose in your life? Well, are you part of something bigger than yourself? The 12 steps are great. There's an inherent meaning maker that our primary purpose is to help others stay sober. Meaning and purpose is so big that Carl Jung, who's one of the founders, uh -huh. or sorry, one of the influences of Bill Wilson, the founder of AA, yeah. um, said that uh, con uh, spiritus contra spirit, spiritum contra spiritus, which means um, a spiritual remedy is needed for a spiritual malady. He found, uh -huh. he's like, I'm a scientist, I'm a doctor, I, I'm sort of remiss to say this, but really the, the alcoholics that get better are the ones that have spiritual awakenings. And it doesn't have to be a spiritual awakening of the type of faith or dogma. Psychic change. Right, even atheists have yeah. sacred places right. and people and moments. <laughs> and then PERMA A is achievement. And it's not achievement for like, you know, gold, or glory, but it's probably the peace of mind knowing that you pursued meaningful goals and mm -hmm. gave it your all. Mm -hmm. So there's, there it is. And people try to feel better. That's why they use drugs. And right. so they try to get P. You could develop addiction that way. E, engagement. Again, it's flow. So you lose sense of space and time. The mind's a mess. So anything that gets you out of yourself is awesome. People uh -huh. use drugs to be loose sense themselves. of themselves, right? right, right. But if you do it the wrong way, you could develop addiction. And so, there you go. Yeah, the long and short is is that if we help people's lives become more rewarding than the promise mm -hmm. of a relapse mm -hmm. through evidence-based ways to pursue well-being, the chances of a relapse is less. Right. Boom. Right. Improved outcomes. So is is there a book? Yes. That you've written on this? A couple. Uh, one is uh, the Positive Recovery Daily Guide, which okay. anybody could buy. Every single day is a positive intervention. Mm -hmm aimed at improving one of those areas, P-E-R-M-A. Okay. I'm one, getting that book. Okay, yes, I am. I'm giving you guys a copy of it. And what well, I didn't mention is that these five things, PERMA, they're buckets. You don't have to have them all full all the time. All the time. Uh, in fact, I'm yeah. an introvert. Mm -hmm. I have a podcast. I It's perfect mm -hmm. for me because I can do it. You know, and I don't mind talking in front of 10,000 people, but if it was a party, I want to go up to my hotel room. So... Uh, I don't have a lot of pee. Like, I'm not smiley all the time, and you really can't tell, but I have a lot of meaning and relationships Purpose. in my life and achievement, and I'm happy. I'm, I'm fulfilled. So these are buckets that you just need to put some in mm -hmm. so that Daily Guide will help you, and it's very tough to get through a calendar year, mm -hmm. but it's worth it because, like, doing it the next year, it's sort of like repeat, rinse, right, wash. Right, right. But And yeah, I love that yeah, achievement because achievement, some people think achievement is – well, I own my own company or I did that. Achievement for me is did I pack 
something into the stream of life? Did I uh, open the door for, for a woman who needed it? Or was I thinking of, of other people rather than myself? For me, that's achievement, right? Well, that's and, good. And it's tied into also meaning. Right. Because right. doing things for others right. gives you a sense of purpose. It gives <laughs> you good emotion. So you have P. Uh-huh. And relationships, you're in the stream of life. You're connected right. to others. Right. 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 So they're all, I mean, a lot of them are very connected. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Yeah, I, I yeah, love this. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I do. I do, too. I, I really do. Uh, so uh, is there another book behind the? Uh, yeah, yeah. So there it? is um, a curriculum oh, that okay. is used in treatment centers. And uh, actually, so what is it? It's called the Positive Recovery <laughs> Curriculum. Oh, OK. Yeah. And uh, I give the curriculum away for free. However, the the only caveat is, is that there's like a small training period that has to happen because it is a different approach. Uh-huh. Yeah, well, great. Sense, of yeah. course. And I'll, I'll sign up to your training. Okay, right on. So, you know, positive recovery sounds like it's all positive, but it mm-hmm. absolutely isn't. There's actually more um, business as usual or right. let's let's get into what's wrong mm-hmm. than there is let's get into what's right. But right. I like the name positive recovery. I think it's kind of sexy. But yeah. people yeah. seem to think like, oh, well, you just need to sing all day long. No, and that's absolutely not. Real <laughs> problems exist and you have to identify right. them. Right. And you have to do both of for too long. We focus only on the what's wrong with you uh-huh. model. That's the medical model is removing disease right. instead of building what's right resources right. of what's right. That's and awesome. that that is the fifth part of the Matthew Soap Care model, mm-hmm. what we call the vocational assistance. So mm-hmm. what we do is we make sure that every single client in recovery, uh, they, they sign a statement saying that they will commit to our recovery support team mm-hmm. process, which is a two-year post-discharge process. And, the, you know, the, the care model itself is let's clear your brain up with this microcurrent neurofeedback. Let's help the brain function properly again. Let's get you into de- you know, So it's detox first, and then it's ISS technology to clear the brain up a little bit. It ha- actually helps a lot. And then it's all of the other things that the industry does well, mm-hmm. like group yeah. meetings and individual steps, therapy, yeah. 12 steps, and so forth. Mm-hmm. Um Community uh, fellowship. Uh, community. But then we make sure that in the recovery support team process, we're looking at nutrition, mm-hmm. fitness, and vocation. Right. And family and we, repair. And, yeah, yeah. And, and family has to be involved right. in all of that, right? right? For, for the person to be able to experience that meaning and that achievement, giving to others right. through the right. family. Right. right. So well, we, we love what you're doing, mm-hmm. Dr. Powers. We love it. We're running out of time. We'd but, love to have but, you back if, if yes, you're willing yes. to. Yes, yeah, yeah. Share the podcast. I, I, for sure. I've got to have you guys on my podcast. I would love oh, it. We'd love we to do that. Yeah, sure. Yeah. sure. Yeah. I'll yeah. have Julie reach out. Yeah. Great. Okay, great. Well, thank you for great. very much for being here today. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. Uh-huh. Thank you, folks.